Welcome to the Colander Medical Radio Show with Dr. Brian Colander, MD. Dr. Colander is a board-certified internal medicine physician who specializes in the assessment and treatment of artery disease. His medical practice is dedicated to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are going to be talking to Dr. Colander about his unique personalized concierge practice and his plan for revolutionizing healthcare. His vision focuses on preventing the events that lead to all the catastrophic diseases of our time. Dr. Colander will talk to us about how and why we develop chronic systemic disease, and he'll explain the course we ought to take to prevent it. To find out more about how to avoid diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart attack, and stroke, stay tuned and we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome to another edition of the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. And we're here talking with Dr. Brian Collander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Collander is with us talking about his personalized concierge practice and explaining the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also tell us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we're encouraging you to call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-COLANDER. Dr. Colander, welcome to another one of your very informative shows. I think that you we, we should like take a step backwards and talk about what you are doing in your practice that differentiates you entirely from the rest of the internal medicine groups. Well, Anne-Marie, thanks. Um, you know, what is different from us than anybody else is we focus on prevention. And that means identifying the conditions that lead to a chronic disease before that chronic disease occurs. And you might wonder, well, how do we do this? What do we do to, you know, how do you find something before it happens? And, you know, we, you'd be surprised to know that we don't have a crystal ball. You know, we do actually use science to identify problems before they occur, and it requires screening. Well, tell us a little bit about the screening. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of tests out there, and there's a lot of technology out there that you can avail yourself of, but so can other doctors, but they are not. And I'm guessing that the difference here is, aside from the fact that you specialize in prevention and you want to stop a disease before it starts, the tests that are out there that are necessary to do the screening and to aid with prevention are not covered by insurance. So is that a stickler for patients? Is that something that stops them dead in their tracks and makes them think that, well, if it's not covered by insurance, it can't be good? It is. The How do you overcome that? It's not easy because it's really been baked into our psyche that the FDA manages our health care. And if it's approved by the FDA, that means it's covered by insurance, then it's okay. And there's a huge stigma against medicines or diseases or testing that are not FDA approved and co or covered by insurance. And even in my practice, I've got patients that, you know, are reluctant to do tests that I would look at as no-brainers because it's not FDA approved or covered by insurance. So I should say, if it's not covered by insurance, it's probably not FDA approved. 
Okay, uh, well, let me just stop you there because it was CT cardiac calcium scoring test has been out for 20 years. It's not covered by insurance. Is it FDA approved? It is. Well, then, so what's holding up the insurance companies? Well, it's screening. The insurance company is only covering conditions that exist. Like, you have to have the disease. So they look at the uh, CT calcium score as a screen for heart disease when you have to have heart disease to have medications and other imaging covered, it's like an oxymoron. You have to have the disease to test for the disease. Well, how do you know you have the disease if you don't screen for it? It doesn't have to make sense because it doesn't. Well, I think that everybody's become used to their um, primary care physicians saying that, well, we're going to, if they suspect anything that's cardiac involvement that the screening involves a stress test and an EKG which you yourself have said many times on other shows those are useless tests well even you know we've talked about this a lot lately is the gallery cancer screening test and I talked to a patient this week about it and I talked to all my patients about it every time they do their physical and let them know that there's a test that exists this is the cutting edge of applying genetic testing to everyday medical care that we can screen for the next 50 most serious cancers. When I say the next 50, you know, after breast cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer, cervical cancer, you know, which account for probably 75% of the cancers, you know, I'm not, you know, lung cancer is obviously number one, but we're not, you know, we don't have a great way to screen for lung cancer. Um, the next group of tests only, you know, uh, cancers account for about 12%, but it's all the ones that kill people. And right, it's all the most deadly cancers. And so I had a patient in my office this week, and I was telling him about the gallery test, and he's reluctant. And why? I asked him, I asked him, why are you reluctant? Because it seems like a no-brainer. You know, why wouldn't you want to know? And he didn't really have an answer. I said, is it because it's not covered? He said, yeah. Because we've all been, again, brainwashed to think that if it's not covered by insurance, then it's not okay. Only things covered by insurance are what we need. And if it's not covered by insurance, we don't need it. And this is a mindset that's unfortunate because we're missing out on a lot of opportunity because in my mind, if the FDA has not approved it, it's probably okay. And if the FDA has approved it, it may not be that great. That's my mindset, the opposite. Well, the FDA hasn't approved a lot of medications that exist in the UK that um, elongate people's lives that are just not approved here. And, you know, we have examples of that. So the FDA is obviously not the, the be-all and end-all as far as whether a screening test is helpful or not helpful. But let's come back and talk about that some more on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Dr. Collender, coming back to what we were talking about in the last segment, where is the reluctance of the American public and patients in general 
to not take a test that could potentially save their lives, like the gallery blood test that screens for 50, some of the most deadly cancers, why would they not jump at that and forget about who approved it or who doesn't or who covers it or who doesn't? We're all consumers after all. Well, again, you know, it's the... What's the reluctance? What is the, what is the mental block here? It's that it's not covered by insurance. Um, we've been marketed to over the years by our doctors and television and media, meaning advertisements, that if it's not covered, it's not good. And it's, it's, it's a, that's a preconceived idea of what our health care is. It really is. If it's not covered, and that's how I felt before I changed my practice. I thought, well, if it's not covered, something's wrong with it. It took me a long time to get to this place where if, it's, if the FDA have approved it, that means someone paid the FDA to get it approved, which means it may not be the greatest drug, but they bought their way in. And if it's not covered, they weren't able to buy their way in doesn't mean it's not good. You already said last show, I mean last segment, that there's a lot of products in the UK that are great or around the world, and it took the FDA another five or ten years to cover, to get this treatment covered or approved and then covered by insurance. So there's a process that, again, I'm going to say is questionable that is what the FDA requires to get their stamp of approval, and that process does not guarantee, in my mind, that the drug or test is, you know, good or bad. Um, you know, there are plenty of good drugs that I use that are FDA approved and covered by insurance. They help people stay alive longer. They reduce artery inflammation. They prevent heart attacks and strokes and dementia. But there's a lot of things that are out there that you wonder why are they approved at all. But the mindset that people have is, if it's not covered, it's not good. Well, we already know, though, there are flocks of Americans who leave and go to Canada to get medications. That's been going on for years. They cross the border, they go to Canada to get stuff they can't get here or to get it cheaper. Well, that's for price, not necessarily well, that it's not available, but it's yeah, for price. Yeah, okay, then let's talk about the U.K., I know about cases of people that left and went back to the UK because they could get medications there they couldn't get here that prolonged their life. Those are facts. And they go to the Far East, they go to Thailand and go that people that want to live, not just get something for cheaper. So I would think then it would be more, you know, that more people would be thinking that, well, I'm not going to sit around and then die waiting for the FDA to approve something or for them to take two or three years to approve it. No, it's... You know, it's a very conservative group, and what I mean conservative is they require the, you know, drug company to pay them to approve their drug or their treatment or their test, and that's a flawed system. I mean, even for LASIK surgery, it was two years later, people were going to Canada to get LASIK surgery, which the eczema laser wasn't approved in this country, so they had to sit around and wait, bypass Beaumont Hospital, where you could get it done and go to Canada to get the procedure done because wasn't approved here until, you know, many years later. So it just goes to show you that it does exist in other countries and people are leaving to go to other countries. Oh, there's no question about it. We would have drug reps come to our office all the time and say, oh, this drug's available in the United States now. It's been used in Europe for 10 years. Well, that's 10 years 
that we couldn't get a potentially useful drug because the FDA made this drug company jump through hoops. And what I mean by jump through hoops is spend more money obtaining the FDA approval. Which that, this pays is really pathetic. FDA. That's pathetic. Ten years to wait for a drug that could be helpful, that's been proven to be helpful in other countries. So why would people still be bowing to the holy grail of the FDA? We're not. Well, obviously, if you've got patients coming in saying, sorry, the gallery blood test that might tell me whether or not I can get pancreatic cancer, I'm not doing it because it's not covered. It's not approved. It doesn't have the FDA stamp of approval. It's not covered by insurance. Where is that mindset and how do we get rid of that mindset? You've got to educate people. And that takes time and effort, which also is not covered by insurance. And in a prevention practice, a big piece of that pie is an amount of time to educate the patient about what it is they're doing and where their disease is, what they have, what are all the drivers for them individually, and how to correct them. That takes a lot of time. So that time is not covered when the rest of you are widgets in a practice seeing 40 to 50 people per doctor per day. You know, you go in a waiting room and there's 75 people and people are just in and out the whole time. Um, you know, you don't have that time with the doctor to identify disease, learn about what's wrong, what do you have to do about it, and what are they going to do about it? Or, or even look at what's missing because right. most of the time, I, especially now and especially post-COVID, if we are at post-COVID, Trying to get in to see a primary care physician is a whole other gulag trying to cross over the barrier of getting an appointment that's not telemedicine. And um, if you're in there, you're in there for three or four minutes, and they're not looking at what lies beneath. They're just looking at what's broken today. You know, and again, we regular listeners are going to know that this is what's wrong with our system. It's a volume-based system. It's, I, it's made to have boxes checked. And doctors end up making a lot of referrals because they don't have the time to do their job. Um, what's needed is for doctors to leave that system so they can do the job they were trained to do. But unfortunately, especially in this area, Metro Detroit, doctors are afraid. They're afraid to leave their guaranteed salary, whatever it might be, to take an opportunity and give their patients a chance for better life and health. And that's a real shame. But what about the practices that are still in private practice? They are their own entity. Why are they not, you know, emblazing these new tests and, and moving more over to a prevention model? There's not that many. And of the ones that are, you know, they may have another belief system. You know, they may be more holistic, meaning they don't want to prescribe any pharmaceutical products. And I would call that a limitation. Or they're a functional medicine practice and they're prescribing a lot of supplements or IV therapy. And again, it's not that any of those are bad. And those some of those things I employ in my practice, but I try to employ everything in my practice that leads to the goal of reducing cardiovascular risk. I don't have any limitations or rules that I have to follow because of this belief system. Like, so even though I'm down on the government, down on the FDA, down on the CDC, down on a lot of pharma products, it doesn't mean I'm not using them. 
because some of them are good when they're used appropriately. And so not every doctor that's out there on their own wants to do what I'm doing because it does require using all the tools available. They don't want to because they believe that those, some of those tools are bad no matter what. And that's a limitation. I would imagine, though, that every listener and every patient out there, and I always say every patient that is listening is also a consumer and they have the right to know what's out there. And since they're mostly an educated lot, I would assume that they would want to be with a doctor that's A, going to save their life and prevent them from having a catastrophic disease and availing themselves of the treatment if, should they get a disease to be able to treat it. That's what the practice of medicine is supposed to be all about. Dr. Collender, let's come back and talk about what we do about this resistance, this resistance to the average patient out there who is putting so much emphatic trust on their doctor that if their doctor doesn't tell them to go and get this test and if the test is not available or talked about, they're not going to get it. This blind faith, you know, how does the patient bypass this? It's a real challenge because, again, you've chosen your doctor because you have a relationship with that doctor. And if the doctor doesn't know anything about prevention or what to do, or they're not getting paid to provide you with this information and they don't have the time to do it, where do you get it? And again, we've been talking about that this is a failure of our healthcare system. These individual primary care doctors should all be walking out on their job, starting their own business. Their patients will follow, and they can learn to practice in a prevention method and do much better for their practice, do better for their patients. They can enjoy their life better and learn more, frankly. I've always said on the show that I've learned more in the last five years about medicine than I did in 20 years before then. Well, yeah, let's, I was going to talk about that. You've had 20 years practice in the regular run-of-the-mill common garden variety internal medicine practice, and then one day you just woke up and changed over and stopped everything and went on another path, and it's been very successful. And now your patients are lucky because all of them, they got COVID. The hundreds of them that got COVID, none of them went to the hospital. None of them died. Something's working. It's... You're reversing plaque. You're reversing. You're stopping heart attacks and strokes from happening. You know, it's it's a fun way to practice. It really is, when every day is a victory lap. And if it's not a victory lap, I've got the information to figure out how to stop what we're doing and the time to think about it. And my patients are engaged in their health. And even though some of them are reluctant to do, you know, this gallery cancer screening test for reasons I don't understand, and again, that's resistance created by healthcare marketing, um, what, you know, we started the show, what am I doing that other doctors aren't doing? I'd say the number one thing that I do that most doctors do not do um, above everything is oral health screening. So, Oh, none of them do it. It's not just most it. of them. It's none right. of them. And I've got news for you. Hardly any of the dentists are doing it either. No, unfortunately... Even though dentists understand that there's a connection between oral health and chronic illness, unfortunately, they don't have anyone to send those people to. In a perfect world, I'm screening people for oral health problems, whether or not they have plaque, because this is one of the silent killers. 
Um, and what I mean by silent killers is this is a condition that you have no symptoms other than periodontitis, uh, which you won't know unless you go to the dental office. Unfortunately, if the dentist isn't looking at the bacterial makeup of your mouth, they may not know that they're doing a good enough job because that's the data to follow. Yes, you can measure your gum depth. You know, when you go to the dentist, they stick a needle between your tooth and gum and yell out some numbers and someone's scribing it down. And if the numbers are three or less, you're generally okay. If they're four or higher, that means the bacteria in your mouth have access to your blood. And if you have a predominance of the five to 10 different bacteria that correlate to chronic illness, well, then they're getting in your bloodstream and predisposing you to heart attack, stroke, and Alzheimer's. And who knows what else that we don't know. So that's a data point that's important to measure the quantity and type of those bacteria. And every year, retest for those bacteria are the numbers coming down. And if they're coming down and your gum exam with your oral health specialist is improving, then you're reducing your risk of events. So that would be with a periodontist, which normally you have to be referred to by your uh, dentist. No, this is a general dentistry condition. This does not require a periodontist. Even though it's a periodontal disease, it's a general dentist that can manage this. You don't need an, a specialist. The, the, peri the general dentist is very well equipped to do their, play their role in this, pro in this problem. None of them are doing it, though. And there's a Some reason are. for that. Well, the reason is cosmetics. You know, there's a reason is what makes money. That's right. what it all comes down to. It's veneers, all... it's Invisalign, it's, you know, teeth lengthening and beautification and Madison Avenue. And unfortunately, there needs to be, just like there needs to be a revolution in healthcare, there kind of needs to be a revolution in dental care where this is standard. Everyone gets screened for the bacteria in, your, in our mouth. And I remember talking to a dentist and she said, there's 700 species of bacteria in everyone's mouths. Well, as far as we know today, there's maybe like I said, five to 10 of them that correlate to disease. And how do we know that? It's because these bacteria can be cultured, you know, in a lab out of our brain tissue and out of the tissue from plaque in our arteries. So we always say there's no, you know, there's no coincidence that the plaque in our mouth causes amyloid plaque in our brain and vascular plaques in our heart. You know, why is it the same word to describe all those pathological findings? Well, again, it comes back to the research is done. They know it exists. They can find in the, you know, pathological reports that the, I would imagine the Alzheimer's spirit sheet is going to be found in the brains of dead people when they do, you know, some pathology exams. And yes, they can find it in your gum tissue, but it's not just connecting the dots. I mean, they've already connected the dots and they know that there's a cause effect here, but it's getting the dentist to actually practice that whole process with their patients on an ongoing basis just does not happen. 
Well, like I said, in the perfect world, the dentist would be taking their periodontal patients, you know, this is a general dentist, screening for oral health issues, meaning the bacteria that are correlated with these diseases, and then referring them to someone who can look for other problems. This person, you know, are they having complications of their oral health disease? And obviously that's not happening. Those dots are not being connected. And in, in the Metro Detroit area, it's because no one's doing it. There's not enough of it. I mean, it's, there's, again, three or four doctors in, in a 50-mile radius that even know what we're talking about. Yeah, if you're lucky. But certainly the dentists all are aware of it. The dentists all know about it. Every dentist I've talked to knows about it, but none of them are doing it. Well, a couple of periodontists are doing it, and that's about it. Well, they are doing root planing, scaling and root planing, which is the cleaning up of the deep tissue, and that's an important part of it. But if you have the bacteria and you're needing a root planing, well, then you need antibiotics to go with it. And that means right. you need to know what bacteria you have to know which antibiotics to prescribe to finish off the process. They're right. kind of doing half the job when they don't have ha all the data. And then you follow that data in six months, a year, did I reduce my bacterial burden? Scary thought. Well, we're talking about oral health. Dr. Colin, I've been talking about oral health, about the bacteria that exists in the oral cavity in our mouth that we know are very serious, many times very serious, and can be precursors to cardiac disease and 50 other diseases, and no one's doing nothing about cleaning it up before it gets into the bloodstream. Who's responsible for taking that banner and flying with it? Because there's no money in it. Right. <laughs> well, so why am I there's doing There's money it? in veneers. There's money in Invisalign. There's money in beautification and Madison Avenue smiles, and that's all you see in TV and in all the fancy high-gloss magazines. Well, Nothing to do with health. No. Nothing to do with prevention. Nothing to do with diagnostics. And now I'm giving you the floor. Well, you know, what I do now is I screen all of my patients for oral health. You know, whether or not they have plaque. I used to kind of have an algorithm. Do you have plaque? Yes. Let's apply level one or two. Then let's go to apply level two or three. And maybe oral health was level four. You know, if I wasn't seeing improvement with, I'm going to say, tiptoeing through the process, then I eventually got to screening for oral health. But I finally came to the conclusion, I need to screen everybody for everything because what if somebody has no plaque but they have dementia? And I see that a lot because plaque is the vascular plaque, not or mouth plaque, but vascular plaque is has objective measurements that I can use through the CIMT test, the carotid intermediate thickness test, it's my major marker for my progress. And I have many patients that do not have plaque. They have a zero calcium score. They have a you know, normal CIMT, yet they have sleep apnea. They have insulin resistance. And they have a really bad profile of oral bacteria. And if I ignore that, and they're gonna, something's going to happen to them down the road. And it doesn't do me any good as a prevention specialist to ignore opportunities to stop Alzheimer's. Right. You know, so if we already know that those bacteria correlate to Alzheimer's disease, i got to address it. That's, that's the job I've chosen. 
And so I've come to the conclusion I need to screen all my patients for those um, diseases and those conditions. Uh, and it's now I've just baked it in the practice. You know, there's a fee for being in our practice because we're a concierge practice. And included in that fee is what I'll call value propositions. And it's all the screening tests that you need to achieve our goals because they're not covered. This is why it's crucially important for everybody who's listening to reevaluate their connection and the relationship with their primary care physician because it's horribly substandard. And I think that everybody should be encouraged to look into and investigate a concierge practice because at least with a concierge practice, be it yours or someone else's, and there are certainly many concierge practices out there, you pay a fee and somehow that fee covers a lot of things that you're not getting and wouldn't be able to get and wouldn't be able to access with your primary care physician, the, the ordinary run-of-the-mill office that you go to. And I think it's well worth the fee to be able to have this all-encompassed healthcare uh, system where they have access to the gallery blood test, the diagnosis for all the horrible cancers. Nobody wants to die of a heart attack or get a stroke and be debilitated and be sitting in a wheelchair. And nobody certainly wants to get Alzheimer's or pancreatic cancer. But the fact is, there is technology and screening in this country that is available. And it doesn't really matter if it costs something and it's not covered by insurance. But at least in your type of practice, not only do they have access to you because they can call you 24-7, you're available evenings and weekends and holidays, but you're giving them a very comprehensive, a much bigger and much more comprehensive nosedive into their overall health and just not, you know, what is hurting your finger today. Well, thanks. And, you know, that's what I pride myself on is following these markers over time to make sure we're on track because things happen in lives, you know, events occur, um, people get distracted, and we may get off track for a little bit. Uh, a lot of doctors may provide the service that I do, but they do it on a consulting basis and not as like a long-term plan. And you might get one snapshot of your life and then not go back because you feel like, well, I know where I am. It changes quickly. The health ROI on what I do, the return on investment health-wise, is a month. You know, once we identify where you are and apply a plan, you're on the road to recovery and healing your arteries in four weeks. I mean, it's pretty so amazing. Right away, we're reducing your risk of events, you know, assuming you're listening to what we say, and I wouldn't know why you wouldn't, but... That is, um, you know, it's right away. So being able to collect the data that identifies risk clearly is very exciting. And I just don't worry about any of my patients. I just don't. I know where they all are. Health-wise, that you is. You know, and that's the, that's the fortunate outcome of belonging to a practice such as yours. And I think that, you know, COVID very much alienated and atrophied the healthcare system much worse than what it already was. And I have to believe that all the people that are listening to the show, if they ask themselves, do I really truly feel protected and taken care of? And do I really have a thousand percent trust in my doctor? The answer is going to be, I think most of the time now, no. Nobody likes telemedicine and you can't really do anything with telemedicine. 
You can't take a blood test with telemedicine or look in someone's ears or their throat or listen to them on a stethoscope. So it, it works for some things, but it's kind of Mickey Mouse. And number two, just the idea that the entire relationship with a primary care physician has atrophied to the point where everybody now is agreeing that it's not working in this country. It's not just me. It's not just you. It's everybody. So it's now incumbent upon the individual to, to actually take this seriously, your message seriously. You want to live, you don't want to get a serious disease, you better find a concierge doctor and someone that does, that, that, that practices prevention. I'm giving you the last minute. You know, it's uh, unfortunately not enough doctors in this area are doing this type of work. And it is a challenge for the listeners to find somebody because even a concierge doctor isn't necessarily practicing prevention. They're taking money for time and they're not adding value to the practice. There's a lot of concierge doctors who still practice the volume model, but with fewer people, and they're doing it for their own improved lifestyle. But they're also, at least, the, the access is one thing, because let's face it, we don't necessarily get sick from 9 to 5 or from Monday to Friday. It is You important. try to call a doctor's appointment, you're waiting three to six weeks. It is important, but also... It doesn't mean that doctor's on the cutting edge and is doing all the COVID things that we do also. They just don't all do it. You got to find somebody who's really focused in prevention. And frankly, I won't take anyone into my practice that isn't interested in prevention anymore. If you're not interested, I'm not involved. But at least they ought to find out where they ought to go. And that's right. the first step. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. And that wraps it up for the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and again, I want to thank Dr. Collender for talking to us about taking charge of our health, being proactive, avoiding heart attack and stroke, and more importantly, what you can do to halt or reverse the process of chronic degenerative disease. It's never too late to start. For more information on today's show or to learn more about how you can engage with a personal primary care concierge practice, you can call Collender Medical directly at 866-COLLENDER. Again, that's 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. We hope that you've enjoyed the show and that you've become more aware of your options in preventing and reversing disease. Once again, you should reach out to Colander Medical at 866-COLANDER. And thank you for listening. Opinions heard in the preceding program are those of the host and guests and not those of Cumulus Media or WJR Radio.